and welcome to episode 63 of Owen the Saints podcast, your podcast dedicated to Southampton FC. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me to break down our FA Cup semi-final is my co-host, Jack Serlis. Jack, how are you? I've been better, mate. Bad weekend of football. I played um, a double header in the third um, third team Division 2 North of North London yesterday and we drew 0-0 twice and I just watched Southampton lose 1-0 in the FA Cup semi-final without putting up a bit of a fight. So pretty bad weekend overall. How about, how about yourself? Yeah, not not great. Obviously that was disappointing. Not many goals then for you this weekend. Just, <laughs> just goalless across the board. Yeah, genuinely the game yesterday was very similar to Southampton's attacking performance tonight. I think we could have played three or four more games after the double header and we wouldn't have scored. Um, yeah, boring weekend of football, really. Doesn't surprise me with you trying to pull the strings in central midfield that there wasn't much created, I have to say. No, to be honest, mate, I'm actually being put, put a left back, put a right midfield, <laughs> put a centre mid. So I'm being shoehorned into different positions. I think I'm a bit underutilised. But that's a different <laughs> podcast we need to discuss that, I think. It is. Let's talk Southampton then. Season over, basically. I think it kind of feels like it after a desperately disappointing 1-0 defeat to Leicester City at Wembley. 4,000 fans there. The biggest crowd at a football match in England since the country went into lockdown last March. And we exited the competition with a whimper. I'm struggling an hour or so after the final whistle to find the worst to do that justice. But it was desperate for sure. Embarrassing even, I think, sums it up. Certainly highlighting our weaknesses, both the players and the managers, which we'll come on to and discuss against the very, very beatable Leicester City in the form that they're in. And to put in that performance, it hurts for sure. A couple of half chances and not much else for Southampton. Danny Ings feeding off scraps. James Ward-Prowse doing lots of running and not much else. And his partner in midfield, Ibrahimi Diallo, bereft of confidence. Jan Bednarak at the back, completely shot of confidence, it seemed like. Not good overall. The game itself, dreadful, I think, as a as a spectacle. In an FA Cup semi-final, two teams in poor form looking to avoid mistakes. That's what it seemed like to me anyway. Um, Jack, how would you sum up your emotions after watching that? Obviously, an FA Cup semi-final is a massive opportunity considering our league form recently. What's it? Three wins from 15. This was what we'd kind of been hanging our hats on. This was the opportunity to salvage the season um, to a certain extent and to go out 1-0 with... What? Not even a shot on target. How would you sum up your 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 emotions after watching that performance? It's been so long since we've got to a final of a competition of this stature. Semi final against Leicester, who aren't in the best of form. You want to go there and you want to put them under pressure. You want to put balls in the box. You want to spin it behind the defenders. You want to lay a glove on the opposition. It felt like that we went out there today trying to avoid about embarrassment. And a lot of Saints fans are saying it. We've obviously been. We've been turned over quite heavily recent seasons and we went out there today thinking, it's, it's, I don't think it's the worst way to go about the game because it was nil-nil at half-time. Leicester didn't really have that many chances and we were in the game and we could grow into the game. There was a spell in the second half which was okay, but we never threatened the Leicester goal. There was not one opportunity that I can pick out of my head there that says we could have done better, we could have scored there. It was a few half chances, but ultimately it's a cup game. And what makes it so disappointing is that the run has been so good. Shrewsbury, Arsenal, Wolves, Bournemouth, all of that kind of, you know, you put all of that effort in and you have all those brilliant performances and you get a chance to go to Wembley and you just, like you said, you go out with a whimper. And I think I was watching it with a few of my friends who aren't Southampton fans and they were just watching it like 
where is the urgency? There was a few times in that second half where the ball went out for a throw in on the left-hand side with 10 minutes to go or five minutes to go. And it was almost like we were waiting for Leicester to get back into position and waiting for them to reset. And we're thinking, right, let's go again, a few passes and try a long ball. There was no urgency. There was no kind of taking the game by the scruff of the neck and thinking, let's put them on the back foot, back foot here. If anything, we... Leicester were putting the pressure on in the last 15 minutes and we had a it was it was it was embarrassing I think that last 15 minutes was embarrassing for a cup game you have to do more yeah um we've been in this position several times and I mentioned it during the game on Twitter but there's no team that you'd rather play against winning a game than us because we make it so easy for the opposition to see the game out when they're one goal up so easy um before the game I would have said I would have been happy to be in the match in the, going into the last 15 minutes. But based on that evidence, I think I was wrong. Um, we never looked like causing them any kind of problems. In the first half, that wasn't necessarily an issue. I was happy to go in at, in at the interval, nil-nil. Um, they didn't create much at all. Obviously, they've had a lot of issues in the build-up to the game. We got turned over by West Brom. Neither team coming into it with a great deal of confidence. And that first half was extremely cagey as a result. Um, I think, and that suited us. That, I think that really did suit us. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the team selection because obviously Ralph made one change from the West Brom game and that was bringing in Musa Gineppo who had looked bright in his cameo in the last few minutes against West Brom, probably the only player to come out of the game at the Hawthorns with any credit whatsoever. He got the start instead of Theo Walcott. Apart from that, it was unchanged. What did you make of the, of the lineup when it was announced? I mean, I would have personally looked, liked to have seen Shea Adams get the start. And I think people say that Nathan Redmond gets in that team because, you know, Ralph likes his kind of link-up play between the midfield and the attack. And he's maybe a slightly more defensive option than playing Shea Adams and Danny Ings up there. I kind of disagree. I think we we needed another person, especially with Leicester playing with three centre-backs. We needed to kind of put them on the back foot a little bit more. And Shea Adams would have been a great person, great player to do that. And he frees up space for Danny Ings. Um, in terms of Musa Gineppo, I think it's, it's easy to become quite reactionary on performances and say against West Brom, he looked bright and he had that cameo and he won the penalty. Let's put him in the team. I'm, I'm still very much on the fence of Musa Gineppo. He's a young player and he's shown flashes of you know brilliance in a Saints shirt, but I just don't see his cohesion within the team. He seems to be on a different wavelength than a lot of the other players. Um, And I think that might be quite harsh picking them out in general, but that left-hand side with him and Bertrand, there's no kind of link-up play. There's no one-twos, triangles around the defenders where you think, you know, we can create something there. On the right-hand side, it's a bit different. You see Stuart Armstrong and Carl Walker-Peters have a bit of a connection there, but I don't think anything has been struck up on that left-hand side. It might be due to the fact that Ryan Bertrand... Again, I think we need an upgrade on him, like I said last week. But in terms of, like, to your question, the overall team sheet, I don't think many Saints fans had too many surprises. We don't have that many options at the moment. Bednarak's been a bit, you know, a bit of poor form. You'd maybe put Salisu in there. But again, I think you can't blame Ralph for playing Bednarak. Um, What about yourself? Are you surprised at the team sheet? No, I think we discussed it, didn't we, after the West Brom game. And we kind of thought that going into the West Brom game, that this was Ralph's in his mind, his strongest team and he wanted to get a bit of confidence up before the semi-final and it obviously backfired massively because the performances that the players put in were was dreadful and 
really what 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 do you expect there are only so many changes that he could have made from that West Brom team so wasn't surprised to see Gineppo get the start he didn't have his best game and really I think that was summed up by the fact that we failed to have a shot in target in the first half the first time that's happened since November 2019 which was the game wasn't it all game, actually, yes, all game. But the first time in the first half since November 2019, which was a match against Everton, which, if you remember, was kind of the lowest of the low point after the after the Leicester game when we got beaten 9-0 and we went into that Everton game. They were in awful form and we just, we barely turned up. Um, mm. And it kind of feels the same. It kind of feels like we've gone back to that point um, where we were under Ralph, where... We really reset after that and we had that international break and we did pick up some results afterwards. But now in this kind of low, it feels like that's where we are. And wanted to talk about the performance of Ibrahima Diallo because he did pick up that booking after five minutes. It was a tough game for him. Him and James were prowls in the middle against Wilfred and Didi and Yuri Tillemans. Very strong midfield for Leicester. Tough to come up against, but wasn't Diallo's best performance by long way. Obviously had that booking, which which hurt him for the challenge on Jamie Vardy, which ultimately came from his poor touch. And he gave the ball away a couple of times in the first half that put us under pressure that could have resulted in Leicester goals that didn't. Mm. And then ultimately in the second half, he did have probably our best opportunity with that shot that flashed wide, but it was a tough game for him, wasn't it? It was, and if you look at the team sheets, if you compare Southampton's team to Leicester's team, obviously Leicester have a lot more quality than Southampton all over the pitch. But the other thing that they have, which kind of stood out to me today, is the physicality as well. I mean, if you look at their three centre-backs in Sionchu, Evans and Fafana against our two strikers, you know, you'd, you'd say that they're quicker than our two. I don't think Danny Ings or Shea Adams is doing any of those centre-backs a pace, maybe Johnny Evans, but Sionchu and Sionchu and Fafana are very quick defenders. And if you flip that for Vardy and Iheanacho, They've got the physical strengths against our centre-backs. And I think that's the same in midfield. You've got Tillemans and Ndidi. Ndidi's a beast in midfield and he's technically amazing on the ball, but he's a big physical player. And I think Prowse and Diallo, whilst they do have you know a lot of qualities on the ball and Diallo has a lot of strengths, you struggle. At the end of the day, football, football is a sport where if you come up against a player that's three or four inches taller than you, you are going to struggle to kind of dominate them unless you are very, very, very technically good on the ball. Um, so it was a difficult game for him. He picked up that early yellow card. I do think there should have been a few more yellow cards for Leicester in that first half. There was a few more challenges that, you know, studs on the foot of Southampton players that the referee missed. But, you know, that kind of clutching at straws. But I think he he, he had a, he definitely had one of his more difficult games. But it was unsurprising, really. I think we needed another body maybe in there just to kind of solidify that midfield because we were getting overrun. We were. And... Also in that first half, I think kind of a bit of foreshadowing of the opening goal for um, for Iheanacho was the chance that they created where Jan Bednarak, again, like he did against West Brom for, I think, their third goal, stepped out from the back, tried to win the ball, didn't. And there was a, a good opportunity for Jamie Vardy, which he just clipped over the crossbar in the second half. Again, Jan Bednarak steps out, playing that aggressive style of defensive play, stepped out, didn't win the ball against Jamie Vardy, who spun him, got him behind. Bit of luck for Iheanacho, but sticks it away at the second attempt. It's been a tough couple of months for Jan Bednarak, hasn't it? Even going back to 
uh, the red card that he picked up at Old Trafford and, and possibly even before that hasn't been in a great run of form. And we do have this £13 million defender sitting on the bench. What did you make of Bednarak's performance? And do you think now, after watching that semi-final, that Ralph may turn to Salasu potentially at uh, potentially against against Tottenham on Wednesday? Personally, yeah, I think Salasu has to start on Wednesday. Bednarak's in a bad run of form. The, the goal today, I know we could play that kind of aggressive, defensive. You know, that's that's the kind of way that Ralph wants us to to press from from the back but it was so obvious that Vardy wanted to spin him down that left-hand side and he bought into that dummy and I think you've got to rotate we've brought in Salasu for for decent money he deserves a start and it has to come on Wednesday Yeah, I would agree with that the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Redmond which we've already discussed but obviously he got the nod instead of Che Adams and there were some quotes from Ralph Hasenhutl after the game saying which caused a little bit of a stir, saying that we left everything out on the field. And also what was missing from us was on a couple of occasions, that final pass in transition, there were opportunities for for us there that we just didn't have that quality. And I think when he talks about that, in my mind, he's talking about those opportunities where Redmond did get between the lines of the midfield and defence, which happened in the first half and probably a little bit more in the second half before he went off, when he did pick up the ball there and either Danny Ings was offside and Redmond, I think, probably delayed the pass in that instance, which meant that Ings went offside. Um, but there was other opportunities when he fed Gineppo, which we just probably needed a little bit more quality in there. But the reason why Redmond is in the team is for those instances. And we didn't have him on the ball enough and we didn't have him delivering in those moments enough to make that work. So do you think that ultimately it was a mistake to play Redmond over Che? Or do you think that the the plan from Ralph did work, it just wasn't executed well enough? It's a good point. I, I mean, I personally would have liked to have seen Shea Adams play and maybe Nathan Redmond play instead of Musa Gineppo. I think Nathan Redmond's been seen as a striker at the time being, or not as a striker, but to play in that secondary role alongside Danny Ings. I think Nathan Redmond definitely deserves to play for his for his form recently you can't drop him out of the team you know his goals against Burnley and Bournemouth and his overall performances recently have improved massively but I think playing him in that role just behind Danny Ings or you know alongside Danny Ings puts too much onus in terms of creativity on a player that we know has so many limitations and I think we've only got ourselves to blame if we're if we're relying on Nathan Redmond picking up those pockets of space and finding those balls because we've seen week in week out that he doesn't have the ability to do that he goes through flashes of brilliance every now and then but it's just not frequent enough and to rely on that was a little bit I think naive from Southampton yeah so I think ultimately one of the main disappointments for me is the fact that we were in a semi-final and we weren't playing against Man City or even Man United or even Chelsea we were playing against a team that was there to be beaten with, with the players that they had out. And you've spoken about the quality that they do have across the pitch, and they do. They do have excellent, excellent players, but they weren't playing particularly well. I think they had one shot on target themselves over the course of the over the course of the match, and and they stuck it away. And they, even that came from a fortunate ricochet off Vestergaard. So for me, Leicester were there to be challenged. And when the fact that we didn't even challenge them in those last 25, 30 minutes just kind of is another indication on what we've already seen against Newcastle away when we were playing against nine men and we struggled to break them down. 
against Wolves, against Aston Villa, against Everton, uh, against Brighton. There's too many, mate. <laughs> so many games where we've been one goal down and we haven't really looked like against Villa we probably should have we, we should have gotten something from that game but we haven't really looked like in the other matches of troubling the opposition and again that's that's what happened today we were just pumping the ball forward and hoping either for a Leicester mistake or from a moment of inspiration probably from Danny Ings and they have been few and far between recently which is not necessarily a criticism of Ings he scored a great goal against Burnley and that's what he's capable of we, but you just can't rely on that every week because it's not realistic to expect him to do that every week otherwise he'd be playing for Man City or Barcelona or someone like that mm. um, so yeah I mean the fr- frustration for me is the fact that Leicester weren't particularly good and we didn't even try really yeah. but at the same time Talking to me before the game, I would have been I would have been nervous about the fact of getting beaten three or four nil, and we didn't. But it's just so disappointing to to watch through those ninety minutes and to be in the game. It almost feels as bad as getting beaten three or four nil to be in the yeah. game and to not even, as you said earlier, lay a glove on them. So, um, I think we've 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 spoken on this podcast enough times about our form, but you look at how well, what a poor side Sheffield United are. And sorry to pick them out, but this stat does reference them. But they've lost 13 games in 2021. Uh, Only team to have lost more matches than us. We've lost 12. But I think that just shows that that's that's not necessarily... Maybe that's our level, um, but that's where we're playing at the moment. That's where our performances have us. Just above Sheffield United, which... You look at our Premier League form, you look at the performance on Sunday against Leicester and you can't really disagree with that because you don't see us keeping clean sheets and you don't see us scoring goals. So what else do you expect, really? It genuinely is, like watching it, it's 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 bad football. That's the, the only way that I can put it. You watch the passes that we string together and the movements and the, you know, the bit of creativity or the balls into the box and there's no like inspiration and there's no like yeah. good good passages of place. I agree with you like Sheffield United have been obviously awful this season but we're so lucky that we had that brilliant start to the season otherwise we'd be down there with them the form in 2021 has been so bad and just to go back onto the game today I agree with you I was a little bit worried that we would be turned over today but I think there's a point in the game where you have to change and you have to think it's it's 1-0 after an hour We've got yeah, half an hour The mindset here. needs to change, yeah. The mindset needs to change. I think from the start, you can be quite cautious and you can go into the game. But from an hour into the game, when you're 1-0 down, you can think, now we can change our mindset and go a bit more aggressive. We might lose this game 2-0 or maybe even 3-0 at the worst, but at least we're going to commit some bodies forward. But we yeah. never did that. And that was the most imp- disappointing thing to me. It might be a bit reactionary and this is an hour after the game, but those people that call in for Theo Walcott to get a permanent contract at Southampton, nobody played well today. I think Walcott came in and didn't have a touch, didn't have a kick, did he? No. Um, and that's maybe, I'm thinking about it, maybe it is reactionary because I don't think Chad Adams had much of a sniff either and he came on. And it's a difficult position to come on um, in in this team that is playing so anemic, uh, such anemic football and really struggling to create much is difficult. But, you're an experienced former England international. You come onto the pitch and you offered absolutely nothing. Didn't have a touch. Didn't have a no. kick. I mean, what we're gonna we're gonna spend big money on wages for Theo Walcott for what? 
I, I mean, it just sums up the state of the club, I think, at the moment that that's even been considered. And you hear all these stories about Southampton being blown away by his professionalism off the pitch and stuff like that. Of course, he's I mean, going to... Yeah. I mean, like, players bring that. Players, And I'm not surprised that he's obviously, like, one of the nicest blokes in football and he's obviously going to... I mean, is that worth 70 grand a week? I mean, I could turn up and work hard in training for 70 grand a week. Yeah, I mean, it is a shambles. You'd you'd hope there's a little bit more direction in the club than that, but it doesn't look like it, doesn't it? I think this summer's huge. This summer's huge for for the whole club, for Ralph, really. His his reputation has kind of taken a massive hit over the last year. And, you know, he was being linked to big clubs, wasn't he? It wasn't even that long ago that it was like Bayern Munich and clubs like Manchester United. Solskjaer was under a bit of pressure and people like Manchester United, he could go there at the moment. Just struggle, struggle to get a championship job. <laughs> <laughs> well, where, I mean, where do we go from here? And the season is almost right off the f- Fulham dropping points against Arsenal. I think it pretty much means that we don't really need to look over, over our shoulder. Hopefully not. We're on 36 points. Um, we've got Spurs next on Wednesday and we will be doing a podcast after that game. That's when the next podcast will be coming out on Thursday morning. Fulham, and by they, the way, most unlucky team in the Premier League, have to oh be. Oh my, for sure. Jesus Christ, <laughs> watching that game, just felt Scott Parker pacing his technical area after that goal went in, just talking to himself. God knows what he was saying, but it wouldn't have been... It wouldn't have been fit for broadcast. For sure. I think we do need to put things into perspective. It's, it's definitely bad being a Southampton fan, but 97th minute equalises away, away at the Emirates is pretty awful when you're fighting for survival. So, oh, Yeah, I know, definitely. Um, so we'll be talking after that. And obviously there's question marks over Harry Kane's fitness. So potentially he might be missing out, um, which would be a positive for us for sure. They're, they're awful. Tottenham at the moment, we're obviously not good. So... Not not saying necessarily that we'll we'll go there and with any real confidence we shouldn't based on Sunday's performance, but that's when we're doing a podcast next. You've got your hand up, Jack. What do you want to say? I just wanted to say on the last podcast we said Sunday was huge for Ralph Hasenutel. Yeah, and we said it kind of makes or breaks the season. We're sat here now out of the FA Cup. Mm. Um, you know, we're on thirty six points in the league hopefully safe from relegation like like you said Fulham got that result against Arsenal but where do, where do you stand on Ralph at the moment because I said that next season's massive but just just gauging the Twitter reaction obviously you're on it but fans are definitely starting to turn on him more and more with each week now isn't it because it's not just the results yeah so I mean we're on 36 points seven games remaining we're not going to match our tally from last season so We've got to an FA Cup semi-final. Where do I stand on Ralph, really? I think much rests on those final seven games. We'll see how we finish the season. I'm not particularly optimistic about it. I think we see how we finish. We see the performances, if they pick up at all at this point. If you had to ask me, I think that we probably make a change in the summer. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if Ralph wanted a change. I wouldn't be surprised if a club wanted a change. He signed this four-year contract uh, last summer. And that came with Project Restart and all of the positive results in there. But things have just seemed not not broken. I don't want to say they, they seem broken, but there just seems to have been a break a breakdown yeah. between the fans and the club. And it hasn't helped, obviously. That, well, maybe it has helped, actually, the fact that there's no fans in the stadium. Because if there had been fans in the stadium, it, it would have been probably even, even bleaker than it has been. But I just wouldn't be surprised, put it that way, if there was decided a mutual agreement between the manager and the club to part ways in the summer at the same time I wouldn't 
I wouldn't be disappointed if you continued, assuming that we stay up and let's say we get to kind of 45 points by the end of the season and he gives it another go because what's the goal for Southampton? It's a top 10 finish, right? It's a top 10 finish in a cup run. We've had a cup run this season and yeah, it's ended in extremely disappointing fashion, but we could get relatively close to a top 10 finish if we finish the season well. We could be a mid-table team, which is not too far really from where realistically Saints should be. And I don't think that's um, doing anyone a disservice to say that. I mean, we're not a top eight team in this Premier League. We'd do well to get top 10. So if we finish 12th, 13th, 14th, that's that's probably about where this squad should be if it was playing to to its kind of close to the best of its ability. Um, I don't think we're much better than that. And I think a worse manager with this team for sure would get us relegated. I think mm. that's important to state because we've had poor managers in the past. Again, the likes of Pellegrino and the likes of Hughes, they would get relegated with, or they would be down there with this team. And I think it would be a real relegation battle. And I think we're slightly fortunate that we're not really in that this season. So I want to keep that front of mind. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised that there's kind of, there's a there's an appetite for change this summer. What about you? Um, I'm still of the opinion that Ralph should have another season. I had my radio debut midweek, didn't I? Talk Sport, where um, which was huge, was huge for everyone. But I did, I backed Ralph on there, and I still back him now. And I did say that Sunday was massive, and I do think that this season has been a step back um, overall from last season. Um, regardless of the way we finish it, I think it has been a step back in general. Um, I think the, the performances across the board have just been disappointing, more disappointing than last season. Um, I just think it's a huge summer for the whole club. I think they need to get their priorities straight and they need to get rid of some players um, that I don't think are going to add any value and they need to bring in players in important positions and think if we're going to stick with Ralph Hasenut for one more season, we need to try to give him the resources, I think, to, to improve this squad. But... At the same time, I do agree with you. Like, my patience is running thin as a Saints fan. I do really like Rafael New, and there'll be there'll be a lot of Saints fans listening to this that are of the opinion that he should go. And I do kind of see that as well because I'm not. The, I'm, the, yeah, I'm not of the opinion that he should go. Like, I just think I wouldn't be surprised if he decided he wanted to go, and the club decided that okay. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference between sacking a manager and just like a mutual agreement yeah, yeah. to part ways this summer. And I could see that happening if another job came up that he was interested in, or even if he wanted to take a break because it has been a draining season, this one. I agree with you ultimately that the ceiling for this team was a top 10 finish in a cup run. And I don't think he's a million miles away from that. And I would give him another season. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get into the European Super League somehow. We'll nip in there. <laughs> well, if Arsenal, if Arsenal get in a spot, then Jesus Christ, anyone should be in there. <laughs> Burnley should we... be in there. Leeds should yeah. be in there. I mean, everyone should be in there if Arsenal are getting in, based on some of their recent performances. I will say it was very big of you to say that um, that your radio debut was was big for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> everyone. It was yeah, huge yeah, for that, everyone. That was... Yeah. 
It was that big, was maybe a bit too that was maybe too but too too ridiculous to say, but it felt it felt big for everyone. Mate. Yeah. I was I was I was in those my room that listened, recording it that. was big for those that listened for sure. For the 30 people that listened, but no, I was I was doing it in my room and there was like a one minute delay between when I finished and obviously it was still running. And I went into my housemate's room and he was in there listening, nervous that I was gonna say something awful. But it, yeah, it was just it was it was a good experience. But anyway, I think. I'm back in Ralph. I'm back in Ralph. I think the European. If there's any consolation for today that I'm taking is that football's and is on its ass, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one consolation I'm I'm taking is that I think the game's in absolute disarray, and I know there's going to be more fans for the final, but one kind of saving grace that I'm saying is that it's it's an FA Cup season that it's not going to be a full house. And it was gutting today to watch Southampton in a, in a stadium with 4,000 fans. And obviously we'd love to win it. We, I would have done anything for Saints to be playing Chelsea in that final, but it, it is gutting not to have that, that presence of the fans there. So um, fingers crossed we go again next season. Definitely. Well, Jack, thank you very much for wrapping up what was a desperately disappointing FA Cup semi-final performance. And we will be back again on Wednesday evening, recapping our game at Tottenham. Speak to you then. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Jack, for joining me. Nice one, mate. Speak to you on Wednesday.